Hi, this is Emeka and Elandris, and you're listening to the So Far Us podcast, the 30-minute podcast where we break down a trending topic, centering the discussion on the Black millennial woman's experience, and explore what it means for us by answering with, so for us, now let's break down this episode's trending topic. Last month, Chesley Christ, the 30-year-old attorney and extra correspondent who may be best known as the former Miss USA 2019, died by suicide. Her mother has shared she was dealing with high-functioning depression, which she hid from everyone until very shortly before her death. On this episode, our hosts discuss mental health. This is Emeka, and for me, I think it is so critical we continue to participate in this growing discourse about the negative impact of the phrase strong Black woman, the importance of checking on our quote-unquote strong friends, as well as prioritizing our mental health. So for Landris, as someone who battles mental health issues and has been battling them over the past few years, I have been finally addressing them. In that process, I have unlearned a lot of negative stereotypes we face in our community, whether it's going to therapy or taking medication. It's okay to not be okay as long as there are alternatives to becoming okay and safe spaces to help you get there. So reports have shown that in 2019, for Black Americans ages 15 to 24, suicide was the second leading cause of death. And a recent report has shared that while suicide rates decrease overall within the population in the United States, And while Black women maintain some of the lowest rates of suicide compared to their counterparts, the rate of suicide for Black women actually increased during 2020. And when you think about how high-functioning depression is described as, you know, someone who may be pushing forward and getting things done in their effort to succeed with goals or being driven to accomplish different things. It helps them to sustain, you know, all the things that they're working on, which to others look like, you know, they're carrying on with their normal day to day and you can't see a difference or you might not notice a change. When I've read some of those descriptions of those things, I, I can easily see how that, could be within Black women in particular, because we are so driven and, you know, going for these accomplishments, taught that and proven over and over in just our experiences, that oftentimes we have to work twice as hard. So we already kind of by nature are pushing ourselves through so many things, um, and dealing with so many things on top of what we're trying to accomplish in school or career or with businesses or whatever, um, and supporting others and living up to that strong black woman um, phrase or expectation that's kind of put upon us. Um, 
I could see how many of us could potentially fit into um, that description, meaning it might be difficult for people to notice that we're dealing with something because we're so focused on, you know, meeting those goals, accomplishing things, taking care of others in various ways. Um, and we know that we often don't take time to, um, you know, pour into ourselves, right? right? And not even thinking about whether it's because of depression or not, but just generally speaking. Um, so I think that's kind of why, even though this is obviously a very tough topic to discuss, you know, it, it needs to be done and it's being done. People are having these conversations. People are creating resources um, for mental health and resources specifically for Black women as well. Um, so, yeah. Right, right. I, and I, and I, I feel that wholeheartedly because I have, I think since Chesley's, um, since Chesley's death, that's been another young woman, I believe in Mississippi. And I don't see how this is not a national health crisis because I still think that the reason why it's probably not a national health crisis is because they think that we don't break, we bend. We bend mm -hmm. to situations, we conform, we we make it, we are strong enough to bear the burden and, you know, just keep going despite showing signs that we're not okay. We're dealing with so much. Um, even myself, I've had to take several breaks in between being a creative, um, a mom, a wife, an employee, uh, you know, a researcher, just doing so much. And I had to realize, like, I have to stop. Like, this is high functioning. But then after a while, you realize all the certain areas are going to start crumbling because you're trying to be too high functioning. And you need to step outside of yourself and say, maybe I need help. Maybe I need to find a source outside of myself to tell me that I'm not okay. And I have had to do that within the past few weeks and just really take a step back, talk to my therapist, talk to my psychiatrist and say, hey, am I really functioning in my best self or is this a part of something that I'm not dealing with? Something that and I'm dealing with. And I appreciate you saying, um, talking with your therapist and your psychiatrist, because um, one of the things you said was kind of looking towards, I, I can't remember the wording exactly, but it was like something higher, something outside of yourself. And when you said that, it made me think of, you know, I think that within our community, we're um, starting to be more open to looking at other things, but there's also for a long time, kind of, it has been, um, you know, look to the church and mm -hmm. prayer um, and kind of not being really open to other resources and tools that are out there like counseling, therapy, psychiatry, and there are all types of different forms of therapy and different types of therapists, psychologists, you know. And so right. um, I think obviously it's getting better within our community. We're creating, like I said, specific resources to 
build our awareness of here are some other tools that we can use, we should be using. Um, some of us are being more open about, you know, we're using these tools and resources and sharing that with our friends, sharing that on social media. So it becomes right. more normalized. You know, it's not a stigma um, to seek therapy. I know I have conversations with my close friends where on the one hand, we're talking about how, you know, now in our adulthood, in our 30s, we realize the importance of those things and kind of making it not even just like in crisis, but just a normal part of my routine. Yes. The same way I would go to a PCP. Um, and on the one hand, sharing that, but also sharing the fact that we're glad to see that we're not the only ones doing it, but our other friends are doing it. Like we're starting to realize that more and more of us are doing it and really prioritizing our mental and emotional health and prioritizing um, processing uh, potential emotional and mental trauma or abuse that we might not have even realized had happened that we have been living with and has been impacting all of our choices and actions in life. And now we're taking the opportunity to find tools and resources and ways to acknowledge those things so that we can deal with those things to improve like our lives. Right. Um, right. And, and speaking of resources, like um, I discovered therapy for black girls about two years ago and um, yeah, because of the, of the pandemic and my therapist was no longer uh, doing in-person therapy. She wasn't doing telehealth. And I was like, I need to go back to therapy. I don't, I can't do this pandemic without therapy. Um, and so I discovered therapy for black girls and I was just like, I need to find somebody in network. And I found my current therapist who has been my therapist, a black woman therapist for me for the past two years and has helped me tackle so many things that I didn't realize that I needed to like really tackle because it was impacting the way that I was raising my children, the way that I was being a wife, the way that I was being to myself. And I, I just, I didn't realize like how impactful therapy was until I had been going to therapy for such a long period of time. And then I had to go without it because of the pandemic. I didn't realize how, like you said, putting it a part of my routine a weekly or even monthly routine to make sure that I am okay um, so that I didn't have to feel like I, like I had to be so strong all the time. Like I, this pandemic was not something that I was prepared to deal with. There was no way, like even from past experiences, like I it dealt with Hurricane Katrina and I'm like, I understand having to miss certain things and be away from family and having to uh, lose your job and uh, try to figure out how you're going to uh, take care of your family in a time of crisis. Even that experience could not have prepared me for how to deal with COVID, especially since I was pregnant in my last trimester. And I'm like, how do you deal with pregnancy in the middle of a pandemic? You know, uh, it was just, it just reminded me like these source, these resources are so helpful and vital because postpartum depression uh, is a real thing. Um, and dealing with that during the pandemic is a whole other level. And I'm like, I, I can't see myself 
dealing with the mental health concerns that I have and doing this alone um, and not trying to get through this with help. Um, when I did some research on it, like really battled, when I was really battling some mental health issues, I started looking at some of the symptoms of certain conditions. So it's sleeping more or less than usual, increased or decreased appetite, feeling worthless, hopeless, or empty, feeling disinterested and unable to enjoy things that usually bring pleasure, uh, mood swings, feeling out of control, um, difficulty concentrating. These were things that I was experiencing. And um, I'm thinking, oh, this is just me having a bad day or a bad week. No, it's something more. Mm -hmm. It was something more that I needed to make sure that I'm tackling and not doing it alone. And what you said is so real about pouring from, uh, not pouring into ourselves. Sometimes we as Black women are pouring for em from empty cups. Yeah. We don't even have the droplets to pour into someone else, but we're giving so much. And sometimes it's, it's something that we don't even have in ourselves to give, but somehow we find, find ways to pour into people when we should really be trying to have someone pour into us or pouring into ourselves. And I really want that for Black women to, to find these times um, when you feel like you are not enough, you're experiencing hopelessness, worthlessness, or emptiness, that you find a way to have someone pour into you, as well as pouring into yourself and not pouring from that empty cup. Right. And that's a topic that I feel like we kind of come back to in many of our episodes, right? And it makes right. sense, right? Because our we're talking to Black women from our perspective as Black women about being Black women, right? Right. And so that's, so that's so ingrained in us to be there for other people, even if sacrificing our own self. Um, that is... I mean, yeah, that topic is always going to be there. Um, and then thinking about another thing that has kind of been a trending phrase for the last few years is checking on your strong friend, yes. right? And I think that's so related um, to this conversation. Um, and even like in COVID, like some of the things you described as symptoms if you have a close friend that you see often, you might notice those things. But when, you know, in the early stage of COVID, things are opening up or have opened up much more. But in 2020, when it was really shut down, you might not have been able to notice those things as much going on with your friends, right? Because right. we're all at our own home and, you know, Zoom fatigue, you're only going to want to video chat so much. <laughs> right. um, so you know, it, you had to make like this extra effort to really make sure how's my friend really doing and how can I be a resource to them? Um, so I know for me, I, I had some friends that I had to check in on and people had to check in on me because I, I think we were all, I mean, in COVID, I feel like most of us had, you know, we were not 100%. I mean, who could be? Um and hopefully that's something that we will all continue to do um, and really asking the tough questions like, no, how are you really doing? 
And, you know, or like when people ask, how are you? And the natural things to just say, I'm good. And it's just kind of, it's more like a hello, Mm -hmm. but actually like be like, no, I'm, I really want to know how are things going? How are you doing? Um, And giving people space to really answer it. When you answer it, ask them that, how are they doing? And actually Mm -hmm. like look them in the eye or something, you know, give them the opportunity to do it. Um, Because I mean, when you're dealing with something, that's probably not the first thing you're going to want to talk about or reveal. Um, But I'm sure we would want to know if our loved ones are dealing with something that maybe we can be there for them to kind of talk about it and obviously lead them to appropriate resources. Um, We're not going to be able to solve things for them, um, but we can be... um, someone for them to talk to. Um, We can help them look for resources like, you know, in 2020, Bevel partnered with, um, who did they partner with? Headspace um, Mm -hmm. to create some resources for Black people during COVID. I think recently Venus Williams has partnered um, with BetterHelp to provide some resources for the public. Um, Because one of the things I'm also seeing is not just, you know, knowing and wanting to seek out the resources, but actually being able to access them, being able to afford them. Um, Do you have health insurance? Um, And so I know that I try to kind of keep up with that um, in the news, different opportunities, because mental health, Um, it's becoming such a large topic and focus, which is good that people like the ones I mentioned before, Bevel and Venus Williams, are out there trying to create these resources um, for people. Uh, And so it's important that we know that those are out there so that, you know, those of us who want to seek out those resources and tools will actually be able to, even if we don't have um, the insurance or the funding for it. Because uh, I know that can be a challenge too, right? Um, and I think mental health services needs to be a part of the reparation packet if we ever get it. <laughs> because it really, sh- it really should. It should I be mean, free for all Black people because the generational trauma that we have experienced yeah. needs to be tackled. And I think we are we have had so much trauma passed down to us that we are still passing some of that trauma down to our children. And if we don't have a break in the cycle, we're going to keep doing it. And we're going to keep making some of the same mistakes. Um, I I really um, have heard good reviews about better health. And of course, I use Headspace, especially if I'm driving. Headspace is Mm -hmm. a really good resource for calming. Um, I think there was an episode that I listened to. And it talked about um, wanting to control everything because I by nature, I'm a control freak. <laughs> um, and there was a session in Headspace that talked about watching the cars pass by on a highway and you're just sitting on the sidelines. Instead of you trying to jump into every car, you can just watch as one car passes and another car passes. You don't have to jump in every thought that's going yes. on. You don't have to deal, you don't have to process every single thing that comes upon you that's weighed on you. You can just 
you can pick one car or you can pick no cards. You can just let that be a fleeting thought. And sometimes we get in our own heads and try to jump into all of these cars when we should just probably let that thought uh, drive on by instead of taking on those burdens. I'm trying to remember what app I learned something similar from. I honestly can't remember. It was a while ago, but it stuck with me. I still do it to this day. I shared with other people as well. Um, it works really well if you have like um, anxiety or you kind mm-hmm. of have repetition of like negative thoughts or what ifs, what, and you lean towards thinking about what could go wrong instead of what can go right. right. Um, and it's very similar to what you said. And it was basically like you see a stream and then you see a boat will come and on that boat is whatever that thought is that keeps coming to your mind. And you let that boat pass you by on the stream. You watch it on the stream when it's in front of you. You know, you can't just tell yourself, don't think about something. It's there. Let yourself think about it and watch it float by. And then once it's floated by, you let it go. You don't think about it anymore. So you give yourself that time, process it, think it, and let it float by. Um, And that has been really helpful for me. I know I've shared that um, with a couple of friends. It's been helpful for them. Um, I don't know. Do you have any other things you've kind of picked up along the way that have been helpful for you? Um, For example, another one um, I've seen probably in a couple of books is sometimes just taking the moment to make yourself smile. (laughs) Even if you don't Mm -hmm. feel like smiling and it's just something about that, that it could for the moment, at least maybe, possibly change your mood a little bit in that moment it's not always going to work but sometimes it does mm-hmm. um for me i i have been journaling um mm-hmm. i have been journaling even when i don't feel like journaling because sometimes mm-hmm. i feel like um sometimes my thoughts just build up and build up and i keep them in my head so much um that they overwhelm me and I become overwhelmed. And uh, my husband has been such a saving grace in this where he would tell me like, we have a solution to every single bad thought that you just listed off. Mm -hmm. You have to release, you have to release, you can't control it all. And it was over the past four weeks, there was just so many things just coming and hitting me back to back to back to back to back. And I was like, I'm so overwhelmed. Why is this happening? I can't, do this. And I wrote down all my thoughts like for days and it didn't make any sense. Just why is this bad thought happening? And what was this bad thought? And then when I talked about it with my therapist, she she came to me with the same thing. She was like, okay, this bad thought consumed you for a minute, but you actually literally have a solution for this. You can't hold on to it. You can't hold on to those bad thoughts. Don't ruminate over it uh, consistently because you actually have a solution. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes um, when battling mental health, we hold on to what has consumed us um, Mm -hmm. in those those hard moments. And it becomes a stronghold when we really can let it go. And I think one of my hardest issues has been letting it go. So journaling helps me get it out to help me let it go. Talking about it in therapy, Mm -hmm. having an accountability partner uh, also helps me. Um, I I have my husband. I also have my best friend. 
Um, I also have a group of ladies that I can call and, and say, I'm not okay right now. I'm not my best self. And, and sometimes we can be as vulnerable as possible, free of judgment, like not a dumping session, but a session where I feel safe enough to say, here is my hardship. I just may need you to listen. I just may need you to, uh, to vent to. I don't necessarily need you to be uh, a solution giver because mm -hmm. sometimes we need those exactly. spaces. Sometimes we need those spaces too, where we're having friends who are having mental health spaces. And sometimes our nature is to want to fix things, especially as black women, mm -hmm. we want to fix it. We want right. to make it right. But sometimes it's just, you need somebody to sit with you. I had a friend who was like, I'm dealing with so much right now. I don't know what to do. And I was like, what do you need? Do you want to go sit down and have dinner and you just talk it out? Do you want to, what do you want to do? Sometimes it's, what is it that you want to do? And when you show up for your strong friends, sometimes it's not you fixing your strong friends. It is you just being there. And sometimes it could be the, it could be the decision maker where someone, you're talking someone off of a, a, a hard moment. You're talking them down. Right, exactly. I think that's um, really key. And when I'm talking to my friends, that's usually, well, honestly, I've not been that great at it in the past. And I've kind of had to learn how to navigate it once I get in the midst of it, right? Because like you said, I'm, I am a solution finder. That's what I do. So I feel like if you're calling me about something, it's because you want me to help you figure out how do we fix this together? And then mm -hmm. I would in the past just naturally immediately go down that path until I realize, you know, it'll, some situations will be like every time I'm kind of proposing something, nothing's really working. Like within that conversation, there's always a reason why it wouldn't work. And then you kind of realize they really kind of just want to vent. They kind of really just want you to hear right, right now. And that's perfectly fine. Um, and so now I try to be more cognizant of, you know, you don't know for sure if they're calling because they actually want to solve it in that moment or it might be in that moment they just need to let it out. And so sometimes I, that's one of my first questions. I let them, you know, do their initial spill and then, you know, have that conversation. Okay, do we need to kind of process this and figure out how can we find a solution for this? Or do you need me to just listen? Sometimes you just have to ask that, right? Yeah. Um, so you can be in the right mindset, right? Because there's a different type of mind space that you're going to be in if you're a listener versus mm -hmm. let's try to figure it out, right? Because for me, me trying to find a solution, I'm very detail-oriented. So I'm going to have a bunch right. of questions and you figure it out. Well, you said this, but how did this really happen? But if they're in a moment of, I just need a vent, they don't want all those questions. And you might actually, you know, make the situation worse because they're like, I don't, that's mm -hmm. not what I'm talking about right now. I'm not trying to get into that. Can you just let me tell you, you know? And right. so having that right mind space so you can really be there for your friends and the way that they need you to be there. Or it could even be the opposite. If you're kind of just listening and they're like trying to figure it out, it's like you're not being really helpful right now. But right. so being the right mind space and by starting off with how do you need me to be there for you right now? Mm -hmm. Um 
And then that's the other question. side. That's a good yeah. question. How do you want, how do you need me to be there for you right now? That yes, question right exactly. there. <laughs> um, but then I also think about as we were talking about the other side of it, being there for our friends is going back to what we said earlier that, you know, we tend to be there for people, even to the sacrifice of ourselves. And so you also have to find that balance of knowing how much you can take in um, because right. you can't take in everyone's, you know, worries and everything they're going through um, all the time and every moment, and especially if you're beyond empty because it will start to take a toll on you as well. So to some extent, you want to be there for your friends, but you also have to protect your well-being too and find a balance and be able to have the same type of vulnerability to say, you know, however you need to voice it, that maybe you might not be in a space where you can be there for someone in the way that you were before. Like if you are going through something yourself and you're taking on the emotions or venting of someone else, that might be even more detrimental to you. And, you know, it'll go down to the other people you interact with and things like that. So you also have to be cognizant of what you can take on and take in from other people. Um, Right. And I think a good question that would be for you who need to vent would be to say, or do you have the capacity to have a conversation with me right now? What is your, where are you with your mental health right now for me? Because right now I need someone to be in this way, be for me here. And do you have the capacity right now? I've learned to say that and it shocks people sometimes, but (laughs) letting people know what capacity levels they have is helpful. Yes, absolutely. Um, So hopefully, um, we've shared some different um, resources and tools and frameworks and things um, that will be helpful um, to those who are listening. Um, And of course, um, because part of this um, was about suicide, we do want to remind everyone that if you or anyone else is struggling with thoughts of suicide, that you can contact the National Suicide Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the So For Us podcast. Be sure to check us out on your favorite social media sites using the at So For Us podcast handle. Like, comment, leave a review, send us a trending topic you'd like us to discuss, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. We'll talk to you soon in the best place that is so for us.